All right. Hi, folks. Welcome to On Purpose. I am Dr. John Duffy, and with me is your favorite Tribune columnist, uh, Heidi Stevens. Hi, Heidi. Hello. Heidi. Did you? you forget my name for a second? Uh, I did. Of course <laughs> I did not forget your name. It's Heidi, right? Who is people's favorite <laughs> Tribune columnist? Darlene Glanton. John Kess. Wait, no. <laughs> I did not run through the catalog of Tribune columnists. All right. All right. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm good. Good. We took a week off. I know. Yeah. It's weird to take a week off. I know. I right? feel like there's like 19 things we got to catch up I'm on. So, yeah, I'm kind of almost flummoxed with how many things we have to cover in a half an hour. I am too, but we can, I, I, I feel we're up to the task. All right. So, so uh, we'll have to do this briefly, like five minute spurts or something. Okay. A 17 year old girl who listens to us oh. asked me last hi. night, she said, Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, hi, anonymous girl. Um, and I, she knows who she is. <laughs> so <laughs> she asked, What do you mean when you say on purpose? Oh, it's a good question, that's right? Such a She's good like, question. Do you mean deliberate, or do you mean you know this is about the purpose that we have in life? I think we mean both, and I think we mean intentional, which is a word that you use that I like a I lot. Love that word, um, because I think it does invite you to sort of pause before you talk, before you tweet, before you Snapchat, before you react, um, because you want to make sure that you are entering your relationships, even if they're the way you relate to people you don't know, with a little bit of intention yeah. and purpose. Yep. And so I think that's what I mean by it. Going through all the, the you know, the big important parts of your life, um, parenting, marriage, family stuff, friendship, work, with some purpose behind it all. I agree. Um, and I actually agree kind of across the board. I like that it means more than one thing. So I liked her question because it's yeah. like my, my answer was, yeah. Like it means yep. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> All the things you just said. <laughs> right. It means intention. It means deliberate. It means focused. And it means having some meaning behind the things that you say and the things that you do. Right. Yeah. And isn't on purpose also sort of the opposite of by accident? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I like it that I like yeah. you know, that yeah. approach too. Yeah. So um, we talked last, was it last time about male friendships? One of the times. Yeah. yeah. One of the times we talked about male friendships, uh, we got a little bit of feedback about that one. And I have to say, that's one that, you know, a couple of times we've been out with another couple for dinner or whatever. And, and, and the guy has said like, Hey, I liked the thing about male friendships. Um, so yeah, let's, let's stay on that for a second. Let's touch on it. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, um, I got together with girlfriends, uh, who I don't see nearly enough over the weekend and we, you know, you'd go through like the minutia of your life and catch up on, you know, how your kids are doing and how's work and blah, blah, blah. And, um, a couple of us talked about our husbands, um, feeling like, and I'm not going to betray identities here, but a, a couple of the women said that their husbands are feeling a little bit like um, they don't have much of an identity outside of work and parenting. And mm -hmm. I thought, that's interesting because that's something that historically we have heard about women. Right. And women have right. talked about and we have read reams of, you know, <laughs> studies and blogs and books about that. Yep. Um, not so much for guys. And that's when I came up with a theory, which I ran by you. And if you read my column in the Sunday Trib, you'll see it flesh out a little bit. But I thought, you know, now that men are parenting in a more intensive way, I mean, there's data showing, right, that men spend triple the number of hours with their own kids compared to men of earlier generations. Yeah. But things are getting better in that regard. Better in that yeah, regard. For sure. 
does that happen at the expense of their friendships? Because I think, um, in my experience anyway, for women, our friendships and our parenting are sort of woven together. Like we become friends with the parents of our kids' friends. We force our kids (laughs) to be friends with our friends' kids. Right. We group text about like, hey, which baseball team are you guys signing up for? Kid pitch or coach pitch? Like all that stuff is your friend. And then the next text is like, hey, you guys want to grab wine on Friday? I mean, it's all woven together. Where I feel like men historically have had modeled for them the opposite. Friendship time is when you're away from Right. Your kids, you're right. on a bowling league or a softball league or you do poker night or you meet for beers after work and then you very come home separate, afterwards. Though. It's very separate. Yes. And does that make it harder for men to have the richness of both close friendships and an you know intimate, time-intensive parenting relationship with their own kids? I wonder if it does. And to your point, um, I was talking to a couple recently um, in the wake of this podcast and um, the man said... Um, yeah, for you, to his wife, um, this started with mommy and me classes. Mm. Like you would t- take the kids and meet all sorts of women at like music classes. Everyone's sitting in a circle yeah. and talking and connecting and then hanging out and maybe getting coffee afterwards or going to the park. Right. And I never I never did that. Yeah. And, um, and I've talked to one guy since we recorded this who did, who was a stay-at-home dad for a while, but he felt disconnected from that group. You sure. know what I mean? And there were no other men in right. that group. So, right. And um, you, can, you can kind of feel like a creep if you're like, hi, I'm in a crowd of women in yoga pants. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't, but, right. you know, you can. Well, and I will admit that um, this goes back now decades, but when my son was little, I was in grad school. So for about six or nine months, I was the stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And so I was that guy. Yeah. And it did feel awkward and uncomfortable. I did feel a little unwelcome sure. in certain spots because I felt like, well, okay, I'm not, I don't have much to add to the conversation. I might be a little bit of a buzzkill to what's going on yeah. with these women. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're talking about our periods, and then you walk up. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it and could then everything changes. And right? then everything and I was changes. Like, oh, okay, I guess we've got to talk about something else because of this guy. <laughs> Let's talk about the Cubs. Here comes the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but to take it back to the men for a minute, I mean, is there a way that um, both in individual families and maybe even more broadly, the culture can make it a little more accessible and acceptable for guys to do stuff where they're parenting and hanging with friends. I mean, so it doesn't have to be this choice all the time. So it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to see my friends on Thursday night and then it becomes like, oh, really? More time away from the family? Like, do you know what I mean? Yes. And I and I think our conclusion is that it has to be that way, right? We we have to be able to bridge that gap because um, men, uh, and I've talked about this a lot, Men need close friendships with other men, right? You know, it it keeps us young. It keeps us playful. It keeps us engaged with one another. I think that keeps depression and anxiety and um, just feeling like you're old and done at Loneliness is a huge problem for men. I mean, statistically, there are all sorts of studies showing that they're the the lonelier gender. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. And so – and we're not modeling anything for our sons or our daughters that feels healthy. So I think um, I talk about, like, literally protecting time on a calendar, mm-hmm. on a family calendar that says, you know, Thursday nights, I'm hanging out with the, with my guys. Yeah. And um, and one thing I'll add that I think we talked about in the other podcast, but it's worth probably revisiting, is the idea that 
I have participated in a group that plays, like men that play around mm-hmm. together. You know what I mean? Like goofy kids games. Yeah. And this somehow keeps us young, young as well. Well, and, and that's engaged in a different way. And that seems to me like a really natural way to throw your kids in the mix, too. Like yep. maybe it's not every time you get together, but maybe every third Thursday night, it's like bring your kid night. Yeah. And then they play the game with you. And, and I know we're using the game. The word game loosely doesn't have to be like a f- actual game right. every week. But as opposed to um, something where you're not passive. Right. Or, or you where, know, you know, like I, I, or... I remember an Indian guides thing that, that George and I did years ago where the guys just the dads basically stood in a garage and drank. Yeah. <laughs> while the kids <laughs> ran around in circles in the yard. Right. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's not the one to bring your sons to. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think like, you know, a camping trip or something that totally. where everybody's engaged is, totally. is a cool idea. I think I told you about the time that we were at Diversity Rock and Bowl next yeah. to a lane of like, you know, a bunch of teenage boys. And then the one lane over was their dads. And like everybody was having a blast. Yeah. You know, that doesn't have to be every Friday, but could it be one Friday month? Or could it be three times a year? I mean, Absolutely. I think it could. Yeah. 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 Um, and, I, and I think that probably creates a richness all the way around, totally. right, of, of the boys and the dads. And um, I know that a lot of dads like knowing other kids, their kids' friends and things yeah, like that. And that yeah, keeps yeah. them all connected in that way, too. Totally. You know? So that when things hit the fan, by the time they get to me, right. they actually have <laughs> connections that they can reach out to. And those are good sources of information and all sorts of good things. Totally. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. All right. So we shouldn't stay on male friendships we too long because we got so many things to cover. Yeah. Um, although do I, I do feel like, you know, with all of these topics, there's some thread that ties them all together a little bit, especially when we're talking about the way young men and young women relate to each other, you know, middle aged older men and women relate to one another. So so that we can find ways that we actually all have common Mm-hmm. goals and and even maybe see things from a slightly different perspective but not in a way that's like where are you coming from i mean i sort of hate the men are from mars women are from venus nonsense which i know is like 90 years old anyway but but, but still it, it people cite that as if it were yesterday in yeah my, in and my as office. if it were science right as if it were which it is absolutely not right um and i think by and large if um if you took a couple and i've done this before and said write down what you want for yourself for each other for your lives it's almost always virtually the same. Yeah. 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 So this idea that we're so wildly different, um, and this shows up in some of your work recently, yeah. right? This idea that, you know, like, we're, we want very, very different things, um, I think probably creates a divide that is unnecessary. Well, and it sets it up as a winner and a loser scenario, right? For sure. Like, in order to raise women up and make sure women are being treated fairly and equally and kindly, then men have to lose. Yes. Or, you know, vice versa. And, I mean, I kind of reject that wholly. Yeah. 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 And and yet we are, that assumption, the assumption we're making now is challenged all the time. We, we were talking about the this Joe Biden thing that's been going on lately, yeah. right? Where, you know, um, I think if he were in the room, he would say, Oh my gosh! He would I rub never, my shoulders. He, he probably really would probably. He probably I mean, would be I, rubbing my shoulders. Right, right, right. There is enough footage out there. He'd be rubbing your shoulders. He would not be rubbing mine. Okay, you but know? you know what? I actually wouldn't mind. <laughs> right. I mean, I actually wouldn't. And 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 I'm someone who probably is like a little more touchy and handsy than some other people are. What? 
is getting lost in this conversation is that like just because I wouldn't mind if he do- if he rubs my shoulders doesn't mean everybody shouldn't mind. Like right. if you don't want someone rubbing your shoulders, then they shouldn't. Right. Of course. And she was saying, I didn't like it. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't yeah. want him to smell my hair and kiss the back of my head. It was freaking me out. Okay, that's legit. It, it's easy to picture that freaking somebody out. Totally. I mean, as she described that, you know, and I know that there's been backlash against her, and I, um, I suppose I get that, but in fairness, you know, if that happened to me, let's just, I, you know, yeah. I'm a guy, but if that, you know, if Joe Biden came up and he kissed the back of my uh-huh. head, he rubbed my shoulders. Angela I, Merkel. Okay, right. if Angela Merkel came up, right. rubbed Angela your Merkel. shoulders and kissed the back of your head. I, I would feel a little iffy about that. I sure. would feel like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, I'm just awkward. And, you yeah. know, if it were in a public forum, maybe even a little more so, like, what do people think is happening? Here? Right. Right. Is my wife watching? Right. Video? What? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the guy who's either, you know, in the Senate or vice president of the United States. Right. And yeah, suddenly he's rubbing your shoulders, Heidi, and you are not, you might be fine with it and you might not. Yeah. Yeah. So is there room for us to have this conversation about, you know, humans have very different comfort levels mm-hmm. and other humans should operate? with that knowledge right um without it turning into like she's ruined his career yeah or he's been me too'd or he i mean we we i feel like we're trying to um simplify an incredibly complicated topic yeah with like okay he's bad she's good or She's bad, he's good. Yep. Or, like, tell me who's bad and who's good so I can move on. It's and like, who's lying and who's, yeah. you know, suddenly this becomes this awful thing where it's not, everybody can't have good intentions, right? There has to be a villain. I think that's part of what you're reacting to. Right. It's like, we need a bad guy, really? Right. Yeah. As opposed to, like, okay, this happened. Let's come to a different understanding. Let's talk it through and see if we can just reset. Yeah. Instead of looking for the bad guy. I actually think you could read her essay, 100% believe her. A hundred percent agree that that was kind of a weird thing for him to do and still support him if he becomes the nominee. I actually don't think that's a crazy stretch. No, I don't either. Um, Because I but but I hope we can get to that point sort of without all of the vitriol and the name calling and the character assassination on our way there. I mean, I, I hope we can at some point receive people's stories as information and context in which to put these people in and not necessarily mean, well, now they have to be dead to me or yeah. or I don't want them to be dead to me. So now I hate her for saying it. Right, right. And as you're talking, I'm thinking like what people listening might be thinking is, oh, this is political because this always feels political now in the mm-hmm. last couple of years as opposed to kind of personal and and preferential you know so um were this Donald Trump or were this um you know uh, Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. who is doing this would we be having something very very different to say about it mm-hmm. you know and i like to think no um but this is different um, than what was said outside that Entertainment Tonight bus a right. couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Like, like totally. and so, um, and I and I feel like we're glomming an awful lot of things together here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And saying, you know, well, that's just as pervy. We're we're just you know, pervy right. is pervy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, looking to simplify a thing that's actually pretty complicated. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's funny. I got an email. I, I wrote about the Joe Biden thing Monday, I think, and I got an email from a guy almost immediately saying, um, don't worry, he'll be fine because he's a Democrat. You know, if it were Republican, there would be, you know, a three part miniseries on PBS and there'd be a book by, you know, um, the one of the Watergate reporters and there'd be Carl Bernstein, be a Carl Bernstein book and, you know, they'd be on Saturday Night Live and it would be Rachel Maddow and on and on and on. And uh, the Democrats would circle the wagons and protect the guy. Right. And uh, I said, totally. Um, just ask Al Franken. Yeah. Right. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Democrats did not circle the wagons and no. protect no. Al Franken or Harvey Weinstein or, uh, you know, I, there's many. Anyway, they're liberal. They're Democrats. They're conservative. They're Republicans. There are. Th- I, don't, I don't actually think these Me Too stories fall along I would political agree lines. Um, and um so I had, an, uh, as a side note, um, I had an interesting night about six or eight months ago. Um, Todd Adams, who we've cited here today uh, or before, um, and I hosted um, a group of men talking about how do we manage as men mm-hmm. the Me Too movement. Eighty-five guys, maybe ninety, showed up to the room. Which that alone, awesome. we couldn't believe. There yeah. was not enough. We couldn't find chairs. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, and there was a little vitriol, but most of it was really constructive. Like, I'm not sure what to do, you know, in any given circumstance. You know, can I rub somebody's shoulders and kiss them on the back of the head? You know, yeah. There was kind of that feeling like, you know, or can we make any kind of jokes in the locker room? What, Where is the line here? You know, like, and, and at least these guys were trying to figure out where the line was. Sure. Todd had this really great point. He is touchy-feely. He's a... He, um, Todd Adams hugs everybody he sees. Uh-huh. I don't know how he knows everybody, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow he hugs everybody. But now, even me, he yeah. asks, may I hug you? Yeah. You know, and he feels like that's the adjustment he needed to feel like, okay, I, and and consent might feel like a heavy word, but I don't think it has to be. Right. He's just looking for like, is okay with you? Am I going to make you uncomfortable? Because I, I want to, because we're friends and we're close, or right. I want to be close to you, you yeah. know? Um, and I think there's something to that, just asking the quick question. Yep. And he thinks that, and I would agree with him, eventually that doesn't have to be awkward. He said, right now, it feels super awkward, but a yeah. year from now, that might be normal. You know who it feels awkward to, though, is, well, I shouldn't speak for people anyone but myself but my impression is that it only feels awkward if you feel like you have to give up a little bit of the power that you have yeah over a stranger or right. an acquaintance or a friend um you know here you are i'm a hugger i hug you well, yeah. it's like okay a hugger is not like a medical condition like you can actually <laughs> You know what I mean? Like right, of it's course. not like I don't I don't know. I see people and my arms fly up and wrap around the other person. <laughs> Can't help myself. It, it, it just yeah. happens. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> you can naturally be inclined to hug, but you can you can, you know, give up that part of your instinct for long enough to be like, Hey, can I go in for the hug? Or yeah. I, I mean come up with a fun way to say it if you right, feel right, right. dumb saying it in a real <laughs> clinical way yeah right um like you want a hug or yeah. I, I don't know there's ways yeah well and and um well I, I maybe this leads naturally to because the, the the story that you wrote about most recently that has the biggest impact on me is the Notre Dame mom who wrote to the student newspaper about leggings yeah. in mass yeah um and uh and so I've been asking kids you know um what they think of kids young adults 
what they think of this whole thing. And um, most would say, oh, it's super backwards of her. Mm -hmm. And I love that the student body took over and decided to have a leggings day. And I don't know if you noted that there were a couple hundred guys. Yeah. Were, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which had to be kind of a hoot, I right, think. Right, totally. You know, um, <laughs> but but I've worked with, um, and, and you. this is just a couple days back. Yeah. But, and, and since then, I've worked with a couple young women who have been affected by that letter, wondering like, oh, Am I putting ideas in guys' heads? Like, hmm. am I am I putting myself at risk somehow by wearing leggings? I love leggings. Like, yeah, you know, like there's this comfy, kind of idea, like yeah. you know, I'm not even thinking necessarily that I'm sexualizing myself in any way. They're yeah. just comfy. I, like, they're the greatest thing. I think you've noted that at one point. Like, totally. Like, I love these things. Yeah. And um, and they feel the same way. But I worked with one young woman in particular who was like. I think I'm going to stop because if this is the vibe, if there are four young men out there who are over-sexualizing this and may not control themselves or something, yeah. then I'm out. I'll what, wear jeans. What would you say to her? Um, I said that seems ridiculous to me. It seems, you know, uh, you've been, how long have you been wearing leggings? And she said for years, yeah. you know, uh, straight through high school and to a couple years of college. And, um, and I said, do you, how do you feel? You know, and she said, I've always felt perfectly comfortable and yeah. safe. I said, so why does this letter have to change that? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. so this is somebody's opinion, right? This is one person's opinion who was offended in this moment. Right. Um, but. Well, it was also the mom's opinion. It wasn't the four no, sons. No, right. So just in case anybody missed the <clears throat> letter, this mom wrote a letter to the student newspaper at Notre Dame asking young women to think of the mothers of sons yeah. when they're shopping for clothing and when they're getting dressed because she sits at mass with her four sons and she sees girls in leggings and she thinks like, you know, I've taught them not to ogle women and I've taught them not to be disrespectful, but, you know, there's your butt, you yeah. know, right in front of me and, you know, you're making it really hard to raise men to respect women and to not, you know, constantly be... I guess sexually turned on by women, even at mass, um, <laughs> which, frankly, like I don't even think is that ridiculous of a notion. Like, I mean, I think all of us were teenagers, or n n certainly, you know, all of us know a teenager now. Like, you don't. It's not like be being turned on only happens like you know at six to six thirty p.m. when you're staring at porn. Like it, right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It doesn't take much. Uh, yeah, for for somebody who's been a young man and works with a lot of them, yeah. it doesn't take it leggings. It doesn't take <laughs> leggings. Like they could, it doesn't take leggings. You know, um, they could they, be in a Canada Goose down coat, absolutely, and a hat, and yeah. be like, "Oh my God, it's Jessica!" Like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You like you oh know, my God, it's super hot, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Jessica's super hot. I don't care if she's covered in down. <laughs> like you don't so. So I don't actually think the mom is crazy to be like, oh, my sons might get turned on in church. My thing is like, so what? Yes. I mean, so what if they get turned on in church? Like, as long as they don't go, like, grope the butt right. in front of them. Right. Or even leaving church, grope the butt in front of them. Or hit on the girl if she's uncomfortable. Or like, so I, I just think the lost opportunity here is like for, for that mom and for m more of us to approach... Like the whole idea of, you know, sexuality in teenagers is like less from a 
place of shame and more from a place of like, yeah, that is super normal and developmentally healthy and like awesome. In yeah. fact, we kind of need that to keep the species going. Yeah. For, right. This is important. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, we kind of not... want young men and young women to be attracted to each other yeah. and go ahead and have sex and have some babies um, eventually. And you can put your faith wherever you want absolutely. to in that conversation. You can absolutely say it's super healthy and normal and developmentally awesome. In our faith, we believe you don't act on those urges until marriage. You are entitled to that, right? You can 100% say that. It's not even awkward. I don't think. Um, no, I don't think it has to be. Yeah, but yeah. the idea that like, you know, your client or these sons or anyone should be walking around like, ugh, what do I wear so that I make sure no one's turned on? It's like, okay, good luck. First of all, Seriously. there's nothing you can wear that's going to make sure no one gets turned on. Right. And second of all, like, let's use that knowledge that you know people are walking around turned on all the time to have some conversations about like hey you know what um happens like you might be awkward as all hack but you might even get turned on a mess yeah. um here's what we do about that like we make sure that any intimate situation has both people's wants and needs and comfort level at the center of it. You don't do anything without the other person being 100% on board. You don't let anybody do anything to you unless you're 100% on board. Like, these are the conversations we could have yeah. with our teenagers instead of like, hey, girls at Notre Dame, um, could you stop wearing <laughs> leggings? Because right. I don't want my sons turned on. I think that's so, um, well, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen. It didn't happen. I mean, the, it's in, futile. It, it's it futile, backfired. and they, it backfired, and they held, you know, leggings protest days, and everybody wore not everybody, but you know, thousands Plenty, of people yes. wore leggings. Um, so you know that that didn't exactly work. It also, I worry, fills you know her sons and and other young men reading about it with like this sense of um, failure if they get turned on yeah. by a young woman like oh i wasn't supposed to do this this is a bad thing i'm ashamed there are other places and ways that they're going to be in front of female flesh wearing a lot less than leggings you know a swimming pool a beach absolutely a gymnastics tournament like things that are you the know quad as it gets warmer right? the quad I mean, yeah. when someone's wearing shorts and and are they feeling like oh shit my mom would be so disappointed in me right now yeah i kind of want that girl I, I think that's tragic. I, I totally agree. Um, having grown up Catholic, when you add mass to it and mass at the cathedral at Notre Dame to it, yeah. it has this kind of almost like sinful heft to it. You know, like right. it has this weight to it that right. it feels... I've also holy. let down God. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> my I've mom let down and God. God. Yeah, because I can't control what my body does in reaction to seeing a girl at mass. Right. Yes. It's it's absurd. And we're having the wrong conversation, right? You know, so the letter to the editor, and I, I get why she wrote it. I mean, I can wrap my brain around that. Yeah. Um, I think... I think at a different point in time, my mom could have written that letter, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and yet the conversation is one we have with our with our boys and maybe with our girls about, like, what's appropriate. And yeah. we are so reticent to have those talks with our kids about sex. Yeah. And one thing I've learned about kids that's so cool is if you bring up sex with them in the same way that you bring up, like, how you're – how you doing in math? Mm -hmm. They're like easy, happy to talk about it. Yeah. It's not taboo for them. It's not 
weird for the vast majority of them. Um, I, I'm once removed from a parent in a way as a therapist. Yeah. But, you know, it's also kind of awkward to talk to somebody who's not your parent. And I ask kids about sex every single day, yeah. literally five, five days a week. And I can't think of the last time a kid wasn't like really broadly open about this stuff yeah. and talked about their insecurities and talked about their bodies and talked about um, what the whole idea of it is like, what the changing nature of it is like, what sexual politics are like. Mm. Kids are really thoughtful and they don't mind engaging in these conversations. Um, I think you're depriving them of something. We all are if we don't do that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that with um, almost all of parenting, you sort of don't have you don't get to just not have conversations that are awkward. No. Like, I mean, you don't get to just not put your kid in a car seat because those stupid buckles are awkward right. and a pain in the neck. Like, you just go ahead and push through. And I just think, gosh, like, especially about... And 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 after that leggings column, I got, you know, of course, a bunch of feedback that was like, oh, yeah, every 14-year-old boy wants to talk to their mom about boners. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I didn't say that. But second of all, like, would you rather have them Google boner? I mean, like, like be the be the source of information that's going to be like true and not X rated and helpful. Right. Otherwise, they're going to find it somewhere else and probably not a place that you want them to find it. And and maybe they're going to anyway. But then at least you can be sort of the (laughs) um corrective a little bit or the you know the uh, the other perspective you want your voice in the mix you want right? your voice in yeah, the mix yeah you're the, you're the parent and you want your voice in the mix you know awkward or not right otherwise you know like there's this kind of prevailing fear that porn is going to drive how our kids see sexuality and they're going to be disappointed or you know they're going to be overly aggressive and if our voices isn't in that mix, that seems like it's possible. You right. Know, I think I've seen that more than once. And, right. You know, and, and that's so if you're worried about risks and a reason to get involved, that's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, the other thing is that, that I think oddly um, <laughs> you bring up 14 year old boys willing to talk to their moms about boners. Yeah. Oddly, a lot of them will. It, it, and it's kind of a, this funny, easy conversation, you know, yeah. if mom's willing to engage in that. You might want to use different terms, right. but you might not, too. I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it depends on your kid depends and on depends your on your sensibility and your family. Right. right. Well, I also think we got to think about our kids as future adults, right? And so, like, what are you saddling them with or what are you depriving them of that then they're going to have to deal with in their marriages right. or in their first long-term relationships? Um or, or their ninth, 10th, and 11th long-term relationship, right? Because, I mean, you know, you, you do sort of, this is the, like, the thing that's the hardest about parenting. You have to parent in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And you got to think about the immediate need. And then you also have to, like, kind of imagine it out a week from now, a year from now, a decade from now. Yep. And I think this is one of those topics where um, if you ignore it or if you saddle them with a bunch of shame and fear about themselves or about the the other sex or whoever they happen to be attracted to, um, gosh, I just think you're setting them up for so many um, unhappy moments. Unhappy moments. And um, th- there's something I've run into in the last five or six years. I'll be brief here, but um, I've worked with a number of young men who are now uh, becoming sexual. 
and they're finding that they're disappointed in their performance because what their exposure to sexuality has been, by and large to date, has been porn. And so there is this fear among heterosexual young men, like, oh, I must be... I must be gay or I must be trans or I must be bisexual because somehow I'm not performing like the guy in the video. Yeah. And I, I'm <laughs> so not kidding. This sad. is, this is, this is a, a big pervasive uh, thing yeah. that really uh, like ruins guys, you yeah. know, uh, in part because I think they either got mixed messages when they were younger or they only got one. Right. Right. That it has to be this way. This is the only way. Yeah. So I think as parents, we have to intervene yeah. to protect our kids from like, you know, uh, that kind of anxiety. Right. I yeah. agree. And we have to think about what the messages we give our girls, too. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Which goes back to the thing we said earlier, which is, you know, there's that thread. Like, we don't really actually have all that different no. goals in life, right? We kind of, I mean, for the most part, there's exceptions to everything. But for the most part, I think, you know, young men and young women, married men and married women, we all sort of want the same stuff when you peel away a few layers of resentment or, you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I, when I work with couples, I usually try to start with, Hey, what, what are we getting along on? You know, Mm. what, 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 what are, what's working really, really well, you know, and the, the elements that aren't working very well feel not quite superfluous. They require some work, but they don't feel like the main foundational elements of their relationship. They feel like, Oh, we should be able to manage that. Yep. You know what I mean? Because we get along on all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think by and large we want the same things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. We covered a lot. We covered a lot. That's pretty good. Have we hit our 30 minute mark? We have. Oh my. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we stretched it just a hair. Okay, good. Not bad. Yeah. Um, so this is on purpose. We will be back in a week. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and um, if you want to email us yes. with ideas or feedback, we are super open. I am hstevens at chicagotribune.com. And I am John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. We really would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Because any feedback you give us, as you can tell, we're citing it and we're paying attention. Yep. 100%. Yep. yep. And I'm having fun, Heidi. Me too. Me too. Hope the listeners are too. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys next time.